0: welcome to the mikvah.org podcast the mikvah organization has been dedicated to the education and resources for jewish family life since 1975 5735 you can support our vital work at mikvah.org forward slash donate thank you for your support and enjoy today's recording This series has been generously sponsored in the merit of a rifuah shlema for Chava Bas Henya and Henya Rifka Bas Bracha May the learning happening over these next few weeks on the three mitzvahs of women be a for their immediate and full recovery. Thank you to our generous sponsor for your support. If you'd like to consider sponsoring a future episode in memory or in honor of a loved one, please reach out to podcast at mikvah.org. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another Mikvah.org podcast. This is Hasi Rifkin, and we are in the middle of a series called The Three Mitzvahs of the Jewish Woman. We are interviewing Chana Slavitsky, welcoming welcoming her back from last week. Chana is a certified mikvah that teacher located in baltimore so last week Chana, we were we talked about Chet in detail and we discussed at the end um the medrash that the three mitzvahs of the jewish woman is a tikkun a rectification of this Chet so I, while i know that the main focus of today is going to be about, about the dada's if we could just briefly talk about um nida even though we had discussed as we discussed last week As a reminder, for those of you uh, perhaps listening to this out of order, that um, the majority of Nidah will be covered in all the amazing podcasts and classes that we have on Mikvah, in the Mikvah Umbrella, but we're just going to briefly address it uh, within the context of the three mitzvahs of the Jewish woman. So if you could just, I guess, let's let's go back to that medrash and discuss Nidah in short.
1: Yes, thank you. Um, Yeah, so I'm just going to read the medrash to you, you know, snippets of it, and it basically says... Why is the woman given the mitzvah of mida, which includes the umbrella of everything under the rubric of Taras Mishpacha, is she spilled Adam's blood. And basically we had discussed that one of the consequences of eating from the itadas is that um, death was introduced to the world. She, people became mortal. They were no longer immortal. And um, therefore as a Tikkun for that, she has, the mitzvah of Nidam. Why does she have the mitzvah of challah? The medrash tells us alidesha kilkala, adam she, she spoiled the dough of the world. If we envision how Hashem originally created Adam, the first human being, by gathering dust from all the four corners of the world, much like we created dough, and then Hashem infused life into this clay figure, so to say. So now women to parallel, to atone for that, have the mitzvah of separating a portion of the challah dough. And a woman has a mitzvah of lighting Shabbos candles because she kipsanishmasishemnishmas adam. She extinguished the soul of Adam, um, the light of Adam, and we have the nera Nerashem Nishmas Adam. And that again, I guess, is connected to the idea of the mortality or tainted his soul. I guess there's multiple ways of looking at that. So um, briefly, I just want to talk a little bit about the Nida piece before we segue into the candle lighting segment, which is the main focus of today's class. So, in much of last class, we discussed the before and the after of the Chit yitz and how before the job of Adam and Chava was really just to add more spiritual light to the world. But after the Chit, that's really when the real work of Dira B'Tachtayinim begins of making this world a home for Hashem and revealing Hashem's presence in in a world that conceals the godly presence. Um, we connected that to the by the sweat of your brow you shall eat bread, and how the fact that we have to work so hard in the physical arena and separate the thorns from the thistles also represents the tremendous spiritual inner work that we have to do to sift out the positive choices from the negative choices. So now it's very interesting that the Gemara in Erovin tells us that one of the effects of the is a woman's menstrual cycle which is a normal part of a woman's biological makeup. And and it happens on a regular basis. And we know that the loss of potential life results in a spiritual impurity that sets in and that is removed when a woman goes to the Um, mikvah. How is this a natural consequence? Um, Because when they eat from the itadas, ego and self-consciousness was introduced into our psyche. And when a person sees themselves as an entity separate from Hashem, It creates a space for spiritual impurity. Once we have integrated this idea of self-awareness and ego um, into our psyche, that's really the precursor to sin because it's not anymore like what does Hashem want, but it's about me, my feelings, my desires, what do I want, what do I think, what feels good to me, etc., etc. So when we think about the idea of blood, blood represents passion and excitement. Um, you know, you think about the the, the famous Sikha about Makas Dam the, in Mitzrayim, you know, where are we channeling our passion and excitement towards? And passion is something really important. You know, think about things that clearly you're very passionate about mikveh.org. That's why you're, you're, you know, doing what you do every day. So our passions are what drives us, motivates us, and excites us. It's interesting. I was actually thinking about a study that I read that was done in Israel years ago, um, where children were interviewed and asked, what is the most important thing to your parent? And then they asked the actual parents, what is the most important value that you want your kids to have? And the results were very different. It was kind of shocking to the parents, but they went over to the kids, what's the most important thing to my parent? That I eat my vegetables at dinner, and that I try everything in all the food groups, and that I don't jump on the couch, and that I brush my teeth every night. And then they turned to the parents and they asked them, what's the most important values to you that you wanna to commit to your child? And they said things like, you know, being a mensch, being a person that um, has obvious withdrawal, a person that, you know, has has values, has integrity, has morality. And there was a mismatch between what the ch- children were hearing and what the parents thought that they were conveying. So we can be passionate about it, but, but you know, it's just, I guess, a side point for You know, how do we convey that passion or how is it expressed or, you know, is it evident where our passions really lie? So clearly, you know, passion, which is represented by the blood is necessary and important but um, we have to channel it in the right way. And before the sin, before the chit yitzadas, there was no such a thing as impure blood. In other words, there was, no, there was no need for the body to expel blood because the passions were only channeled towards kedusha, towards Hashem. At this point, at this stage, after the chit yitzadas, since our body, and our body always re- retains the original holiness, um, Our body naturally expels the blood, which is the excess passion, um, which reminds us not to get carried away with our passions that are not channeled appropriately. And to reorient ourselves through observing charas mishpacha and and immersing in the mikvah. So we think about the shiva nakeyam, the shiva nakeyam actually parallel the seven nidos, the seven emotional traits within ourselves. And and emotions are really important, right? We have to listen to emotions uh, in ourselves and, and in others but they are also vulnerable to corruption, right? Our emotions don't tell the whole story. They tell us important details, but we have to be aware that feelings can be subjective. We need to exercise and we don't want the passion and the emotions to to get channeled in the wrong way. So when we um, immerse ourselves in the mikvah, we look at the word tevila, which shares the same letters as habital. We are negating, bital means self nullification We're letting go of the old, and we're coming out really as a new person. And, and this is a very powerful meditation. It does not mean, I don't want anyone to get the wrong impression that every time we go to the mikvah we feel this experience. But I think that if the more we learn about it and the more we think about it on a global level, you know, it slowly influences us. Um, and the Sefer HaChinuch explains that in the beginning of the 60s of creation, it's very interesting, but it says that the ruach halokim or that the spirit of Hashem hovered above the waters. And we always wonder, well, when were waters created? So clearly, waters predated everything, and the world was born of these primordial waters, so to say. So the Sefer HaChinuch says that a woman, when she's immersing herself in the mikvah, she should envision that she is in the original state of the world, even before a man was created, even before Adam and Chava existed, <clears throat> and when she emerges, it's as if she's a new person. So you know, good days are coming ahead for those of us that find uh, the menstrual cycle to be annoying. The Medrash does tell us that when Mashiach comes, that, that and that includes um, that includes the period. So good days ahead. But for <laughs> now, but for now, we're going to embrace you know the the message of what it has for us today, and to remind ourselves that we have a built-in system where, where we're being reminded to keep our, our passions in the right place, keep our emotions channeled appropriately and to put them towards good purposes, towards our relationship with Hashem and uh, spirituality.
0: Thank you. And I appreciate that, that you're able to, um, you know, have let's have this complete context of the three mitzvahs, of the Jewish woman. And now we'll go back to today's main focus, which is the mitzvah of hadlakas Neirais. So let's back up a moment. We'll focus on hadlakas Neirais. Candlelighting is the ceremony, the ritual that r- ushers in Shabbos. So before we even talk about candlelighting and how that helps anything, let's talk a little bit about why we celebrate Shabbos altogether and um, what the purpose
1: of it is. Right, right. I mean, it's it's so important to, to understand that, right? It's something that, you know, people certainly, you know, people who may be listening to this observe all the time, but to think about, okay, why are we doing what we're doing, what we're doing? Um, and there's, there's different reasons um, you know, it says, it talks about Shabbos and the SR Sajibras. Um, one of the main reasons is um, to remember that Hashem is the creator of the world, right? Also to remember, you see, right, But first and foremost, um, that Hashem is the creator. Hashem created the world in six days and rested on the seventh. And that's why we rest on the seventh. So you're asking an important point, which is why are we ushering in the Shabbos through this candle lighting ceremony? How is Lich Benshin? connected to the same message of remembering that Hashem is the creator of the world. So the Gemara actually tells us that we light Shabbos candles because of shalom bias. And there's, there's different reasons given for a Lufbenschen, candle lighting. There's Kabut Shabbos, there's bringing honor to Shabbos. There's, there's Onik Shabbos, the pleasure that is enhanced through lighting the candles and the delight that we, the food is enjoyed more in the presence of the candles. And there's much to discuss about that, but we're going to zero in specifically on the Shalom Bias aspect that the Gemara speaks about. And the Mardukha, who is one of the Rushayim, explains that uh, the idea of the Shalom Bias is Shalo ba'itz uba'evin, which means that a person shouldn't stumble on wood and stone. So if we put ourselves back in time, right, in a time machine, and we think about the era prior to um, electricity, so if we didn't light candles before Shabbos, and we can't light a fire on Shabbos, then people would have to sit in the cold and dark, and that wouldn't be a pleasant experience. And you know, my kids and probably your kids are coming home from school soon, and there might be a child that shall remain nameless who will dump his knapsack. Imagine, you know, Shabbos comes in, and somebody's tripping. There's going to be a fight. There's going to be an argument. So for the purposes of seeing Shalaykash Shalbegits Be'evin, we have the mitzvah of lighting Shabbos candles, and it is a rabbinic mitzvah. It's a midrabanan mitzvah. However, the million-dollar question, of course, is: Well, today we do have modern-day electricity. So, does this message of the Shalom bias still apply? And there's a, there's a very beautiful sicha where the Reb explains how this concept can be understood metaphorically, and he connects it to something that the Navi Yirmiyahu says. Yirmiyahu rebukes, rebukes the Jewish people, and he tells them, and I'm reading: "Omram um, laitz Aviata v'laEben at yilid Tanu." that he's, he's saying to the Jewish people, you say to the tree, you are my father and to the stone, you gave birth to me. What is he talking about? Obviously that people are serving of Odazar, right? They're, they're taking the wood and the stone and they're turning it to idolatry. Now, I don't know about you. Maybe you, you visited uh, the Far East you know, in, in those countries. Maybe there are still people that serve figurines of wood and stone, but for most people, that's not the reality today. However, the wooden stone is still symbolic of the concept of different idols that we have in our lives. And certainly, you know, people worship the dollar bill, which also comes from the tree. And if anybody, any of us um, believe that something exists independent of Hashem, that is a subtle form of idolatry that will actually come up in the topic of um, challah when we get to that topic. So, you know, keep that thought in mind. So what happens when we approach our candles, right? It's Erev Shabbos, we're, we're striking the match, we're about to light our candles. Light is always a symbol of clarity and understanding. You know, Think about how many metaphors we use, how light is used in, in, in many ways metaphorically, like when, when a person tells another person, I see what you mean, right? You don't literally see, but it, it, it represents understanding. Or if we describe somebody as being enlightened or you know, the little um, cartoon figure of a light bulb on top of somebody's head, Um, or somebody's going to share an insight. So the word sight is right there. So light isn't only about the physical light that it creates, but it represents our ability to see something in our mind's eye. It represents our understanding of a concept amongst many other things that that light represents. So what is this concept that the Shabbos candles are reminding us that are allowing us to see in our mind's eye? That we should not symbolically trip on wood and stone. And think that the physical reality that's right in front of us, the table that our candles are on, and the match, and the the, the everything that's on there, the, the plates, the food, that we shouldn't think of it as an independent entity outside of Hashem. And to recognize that um, all of these things are, are, are vivified by Hashem's godly energy, and we should use all those things for Kedusha for spiritual purposes. That that really is you know the outcome of eating from the chidditadas because life is no longer black and white. It's no longer like okay, this is holiness and this is unholy, and that's it. But our playing field today really is the divre rishus or what we call in in Tanya, you know, the klipas noga, and um, when we use all of these physical things in our lives. For kedusha, then we have elevated it, and that's that's the opposite of idolatry. We're not dragging it down to the level of idolatry. Shalom but we're we're seeing it for what it truly is. For you know, being being energized by Hashem and using it for godly purposes.
0: Thank you, Hannah. Wow, so much into Shabbos that you know we don't think about at face value. So when we have you know this context of Shabbos, what are messages that women can think about when they light the candles?
1: Yeah, there's there's so much Um, you know, it was hard to prepare for this class because like, okay, what, you know, yeah, I'm trying it to eat Hadas And there's, there's many, many ideas to think about. And the truth is, classy, you know, at different points in our lives, we can learn different tidbits of, of information that will energize us because we like khadush, right? We like something new that will that will inspire us. So hopefully somebody will come away with something that, that moved them. And I'll, and I'll share a couple of things. So um, in addition to the candles reminding us, don't you know think a physical entity as a reality outside of Hashem, recognize that Hashem is the master of the world. The actual candles are a visual metaphor for how we should live our lives. So it's Hashkacha practice, but just in in the Tanya in recent days of the time that we're doing our recording, you know, people may listen to this at a later date. It speaks about, in Parakitesh, how near Hashem nishmas Adam, right? That the soul of man is a lamp of God. And that on the most basic level, Hashem wants us to shine our light Um, and to be that candle that lights up the world. And why is the Hashem compared to a flame? This is well known because the flame is always rising to go upwards and to connect to its source to Hashem. But of course, our goal in life is not to have this out-of-body experience. The wick is what brings it back down. We're, the work is here in Olam Hazit in making Adir Batakhtonim a dwelling place for Hashem. So I was thinking about this, You know, do you ever hear people describe another person as, ah, oh, she's such a gutta neshama, Right. She's like, she's like, you know, and you wonder, like, I'm going to translate a good soul. She's such a good soul. Like, what does that mean? She's a good soul. Isn't, isn't every soul good? Like what makes somebody a good soul? So when we say somebody is a good and what we're describing is a person who's really kind, um, loving. and And in essence, what we're saying is it's a person who's, who their soul is expressed in action. They're living in alignment with their soul because in truth, as we said, everybody's soul is beautiful but not everybody acts like a good So this is what we're trying to get to. We're trying to get in alignment with our neshama and allow the light of our neshama to shine through. So in Paraklamadhi and Tanya, it actually discusses the in more detail about like, how does that happen? So when we think about a candle, the candle has three components, right? We have the flame, which, as we said, is compared to the neshama, which always strives for spiritualities, pure, wholesome, good, wants to connect with Hashem. And we have the wick, which represents the body. And, you know, if, if we were trying this out, you, you know, people often will turn over the candle and you'll see upside down and see how the flame is still striving to go upward. But the wick is keeping it rooted down here. But if you, we just had the, the, the wick, which represents the body and the flame. The flame would not shine there would not be a steady light what really what we really need is the fuel, and that is either the oil or the wax depending on how people light their candles. So I was thinking about this in a very visual way because my grandmother was telling me um, the story about how during World War Two uh, her she, her family was um, from Poland, and they were sent to Siberia and at that point um her father had gone to America before the war and when the war broke out, he was stuck there so imagine a young mother with her children in Siberia food is scarce and there's there's definitely no candles to be found. But my great grandmother was extremely resourceful and she lit the bark of a tree and my grandmother says this in Russian I, I don't even know how to say it but she said that the bark was, was very, very flammable. And they would quickly light the bark. I guess they had matches, they would say the bracha and I'm imagine the scene in the freezing cold with a prayer, all the, all the children together would pray to be reunited with, with their father, which, which thankfully they were. But why am I thinking of this visual? Because it sputtered and died very quickly, right? You have, you have flammable material, but if you don't have fuel, it's not going to be a steady flame. So the fuel represents the and mitzvahs that we do. So this visual metaphor, when we stand in front of our candles, something that we could think about in addition to the idea of being that light, being that positive force, light is positivity for others, to think about how can I live in alignment with my neshama? How can I allow my neshama to shine its light? My neshama came down here for a purpose. I don't want to miss the point. And it's in a guf. It's in a body. The wick doesn't only represent the body, but it also represents all the physical resources at our disposal and our ability to fuel and to allow our neshama to be lit up by the mitzvahs that we do within the arena of the physical world. So so that to me is something helpful. It doesn't mean I think about this every time I light my Shabbos candles and you know sometimes there's kick fetching or complaining and we got to do something else. But if it's something that we can think about sometimes um, or even later, it doesn't have to be at the moment of Luch mention. Sometimes it's you know sitting by the Shabbos table and just seeing those candles on the table and, and thinking about okay what am I what am I going to bring into my upcoming week to be more of that light uh, in alignment with my Ba'inashama.
0: Thank you, Chara. that's really beautiful. What an amazing story. Um, I have a question for you. The, you know, often we hear about the times of candlelighting as being a time also to like down um, for our children or as a Ace Skula, you know, I know it also comes up a little bit by Chala as well. Um, does that have a source or is it like, or it just feels good when we, like, you know, you have your hands covered, your eyes, your your eyes are covered your face. You're not just thinking about your own soul, but you're also thinking about all the brachas that you want to ask from Hashem. What, what do you think about that?
1: Right. So it's very interesting. Um, it, you know, it's very natural to Jew, for Jewish um, women to do that. My other grandmother would say, you know, um, she would read and she would cry when she lit her candles. I, I can't say that I'm like on that level. Um, and there's there's different prayers that different women through the ages have written but really a trina is something that comes from your heart. So it doesn't have to follow a text. Although it's interesting that the, I believe the the degree Rebbe writes in de Diburam about um, the, the prayers that women have naturally written. And I don't have that right in front of me. Um, you know, maybe we, we can share that on another occasion, but, but it is very, very meaningful about, you know, davening for children and davening for health and um, davening for pranas and davening for, for the Jewish people, uh, for Mashiach, of course. Um, and actually, um, some of those prayers are going to tie into something we're going to discuss a little bit later based on the Zohar and speaking about some of the things that um, we can have impact through through the shulos of candlelighting.
0: Got it. Interesting. It's really interesting how like things we constantly do or take for granted, like, you know, like wait a second, what are we really supposed to be thinking about? Okay. So this series is in honor of the birthday of Rabbi Sechana, as we have spoke about a little bit last week, which is an acronym for the Three Mitzvahs of Woman. So is there anything you could share that would connect Reb specifically to this mitzvah?
1: Right. So as I as, as you know, my name is Hannah. So I get really excited about this topic and especially this insight, which I'm going to share now, which I learned um Few years ago, that that moved me very much because it's so connected to who Rebbe Sanchana was. So, just to give a little bit of a background, Rebbe Sanchana, Schneerson was um, is the, the was the mother of the Rebbe and the wife of uh, Rebbe Lady Schneerson who was a brilliant Talmud Chacham and a master of Kabbalah and a prolific writer. And he was a, a rub in the city of Yakutrytislev for 32 years. Today, that's, that's in Dnepr in, in uh, Ukraine. In 1939, he was arrested because of his efforts to promote um, Jewish observance. And Rabbi Zankhanna, with tremendous self-sacrifice, joined her husband in exile, despite the dangers involved, to help ease his suffering. And she brought along with her a few Sfarim, including a Zohar, a Chumash, and a Tanya. And if you think about this, I mean, it really gives me the chills that what, what pained him the most was not the physical deprivation or the terrible conditions or the lack of food, but was the fact that he literally could not record his brilliant Torah thoughts. I kind of think of it as like, a mother who like wants to nurse but had you know maybe he's not there to nurse right now and she's you know that's how badly he wanted to record his teachings but he did not have um ink or paper so she resourcefully as is well known um created her own ink from herbs and berries that she gathered and um reblevick wrote his commentary in the margins of the sperm that he had and eventually with great effort these sperm were smuggled out of russia sadly reblevick died in exile passed away in exile and they were printed in five volumes known as le Levi Yitzchak. And two of these volumes are um, his teachings on his his notes and his explanations on the Zohar. Now, in the introduction to this book, and I was just looking at this last night, um, the Rebbe wrote that he has the great merit to have the Sparim that his mother brought to his father in exile. And that he mentions this point that his father wrote in the margins of these and And it really, it's an amazing thing because our ability to Learn this today, which we're going to do right now, is really in no small credit to um, Sanchana. and it's it's a it's a very very beautiful beautiful teaching. And for many years, um, from 1970 to 1988, I, I believe it was, um, at the weekly for bring-ins, the Rebbe would take a paragraph from his father's writings and share his insights on it. So you that that's that's called Teres Menachem um, Teferes Levi Yitzchak, which is on the Rebbe Levick's teachings, which is compiled in Lekutte Levi Yitzchak. So now that I give that whole background, should we like go right into it? An insight about that? Well, uh, yes, let's go let's go into it. I mean, you know, yeah. Let's go. so it's a secret. How do we know this? Because well, we're not up to the secret part yet. First, first, we're gonna talk about the what it what it says in the the Zohar that about Shabbos and can then connect that to women and candlelighting. So the, the Zohar explains that Shabbos is referred to as the canopy of peace, the sukkah shalom, in davening on Friday night in Shman Esrei, actually right before Shman Esrei, we mentioned this bracha, this, per sukkah shalom, and um, the Zohar says that this tef- this tefillah draws down holiness from above and spreads its wings upon the Jewish people. Okay, so it sounds like a, sounds like a very mystical idea that you know you say this this bracha on Friday night, and then we draw this holiness um, and kind of like this metaphor of the wings, it sounds very, very beautiful and, and uh, enveloping. Following this, the Zohar also explains the special connection that women have with lighting Shabbos candles. And the Zohar, just by way of background for a moment, is a foundational work of Jewish mysticism authored by Rabbi Shimon bar Yochai. And um, it's kind of written in the format of like a conversation with his colleagues. He calls them, calls them the Chavrayim. He says, the Chavraya. my colleagues explain that women light the Shabbos candles because Chava extinguished the light of the world, which is the, the, the idea that we referenced right at the outset. But then he says, there is a, but there is a secret reason why women light the Shabbos candles, which is referred to as the Raza de Milo. So are we ready to hear the secret? Like, why are we doing this? What's the secret reason? So here's the secret. The canopy of peace, the sukkah shalom that descends upon the world on Shabbos is a level of um, godliness known as the matrunisa da'ama. So we're learning, we're, we're getting Kabbalistic here, okay? This is, the matrunisa da'ama is the queen of the world, or the, or the supernal queen. So since we're, the level of the supernal queen is being revealed in the world on Shabbos, it makes sense that a woman who is the queen, so to say in this physical world, should be the one to light the Shabbos candles to usher in the Shabbos, that's the secret. So if it's a secret, then how do we know it? Why is it a secret? <laughs> so, so it's in, so this, this is an interesting point because it, it is in the Zohar, so like people can read it, but for many years, people didn't learn. So our Kabbalah or things like that, um, but and this is something that the Rebbe is explaining in, in um, it's, meant, it's described in And the reason that the secret is out is because it ties into why we learn, why we have Hasidus today altogether, which is the fact that we're coming closer to the era of Mashiach when the wellsprings of Kabbalah and Hasidus will be spread throughout the world. And therefore, all of this knowledge is a, is a lead up to the era of Mashiach. And Mashiach, the coming of Mashiach, is going to be the time that the, the feminine um, will, dimension of Hashem is going to be predominant. So here's the part, though, that I found, like, particularly mind-blowing. Okay, very nice. Okay, there's, there's the, r- the reason that we know that it's a tikkun sadas for rectification, for Chava's sin of extinguishing the light of the world. And yes, we did discuss the Hasidic insight that she had, her motivation, and how she, you know, really wanted to struggle from the inside out to have a deeper relationship with Hashem. All true and fine. Um, But here we also have that there is another reason, right? There is a counterpoint. And the reason is a secret reason because we represent this feminine dimension of Hashem here in this physical world, Hashem's feminine energy. And since Shabbos is the time that Hashem's feminine energy is being drawn down and revealed and is predominant, then the feminine representation of that in the physical world should light the candles. So the Rebbe adds to that and says that after thousands of years of women lighting Shabbos candles, We already atoned for havasin, right? We already rectified that. And therefore today, this is a very radical statement almost, right? That we're no longer lighting the Shabbos candles as a tikon, but we're performing it today only because of the secret reason, the Raza, because of the Raza Demila. And, um, you know, it's interesting that on Shabbos, there are so many feminine associations, right? We're seeing L'chadaydi, um, Shabbos is described as the Shabbos Hamalka. Don't try telling your kids that the Shabbos Hamalka is the guest for tonight because they're like, no, we want real guests, right? <laughs> but um, yeah, you know, we have these references to the feminine dimension. And, and of course, we 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 learned just now that based on the Zohar, that it's the feminine energy of Hashem that is being revealed on Shabbos. And I think I remember hearing this years ago from uh, Shimon Tsupernik, and she she compared and contrasted these two approaches, you know, are we looking as, are we doing this mitzvah with an eye towards the past, you know, as a tikkun for it's hadas, or are we doing this mitzvah with an eye towards the future? And it's interesting because in life, you know, we need both, you know, even in the field of therapy and psychology, you know, a lot of people will focus on what is your birth story or what are traumas or difficulties that you went through that influence who you are today. And that is important. But then there comes a point where it, it trans where there's a transition and the shift is okay now i'm in my present what have i learned from the past and how do i take that energy and drive that into my future so it's very very powerful to think about what that the coming of mashiach you know every shabbos we have in olam haba right it's a taste of olam haba we say we dive in that you know um it says in the medrash that when when the whole world, everyone's going to light Shabbos candles one time, Mashiach is going to come. So, you know, we're hoping for that. Um, And we think about the fact that Mashiach is really a Yom Shukul Shabbos. It is an eternal Shabbos. And that is a time when Hashem's feminine energy is going to be entirely predominant. So it's it's really an amazing thing that we have like a small foretaste of this. And we're tapping into that energy every week when we light our Shabbos candles. That's really fascinating. What year was it
0: when they never said that, that we're no longer focusing on the tickling, but we're focusing on the light, the secret reason? Now you're yeah.
1: asking me a question. I don't know off yet. Yet. I'm I just really wondering, because I'm
0: connecting <laughs> the dots in the podcast that I've been interviewing. Right. Mrs. Sternberg, Mrs. Sternberg talks about when the rabbis talked about Mifta Neshek in Lamad Hay in 1975, right. that the Rebbe spoke about the fact that because there's so much darkness in this world and that for the past hundred years, the the um, girls lighting Shabbos candles was forgotten. Like you actually used to be the custom amongst all Yidden, but it, like it got lost over World War One, World War II. Like you said, they didn't have flame, they didn't have paraffin, you know, like you said, your right. great grandmother was lighting, you know, sticks of, of flame. So even when they got that little bit of paraffin, they they kept it for the one woman in each household. Mm-hmm. So that's how, so to speak, it got lost. And now that I was saying, the world is so dark, we really need to add the light, and that we really need the light of the young girls back for Shabbos. So I'm just wondering how we balance that. But you know, as I said, like sometimes some of these, you know, questions take research. I was wondering what your thoughts were on that.
1: Yeah, yeah. no that's interesting. I'd have to I have to look at the like trajectory of like the line, the sequence of events of. Right. Was said when?
0: I guess it could right. be both because we still have right. the light of young girls or even more feminine energy that we are, you know, exactly. as you're doing the Shabbos, it's exactly. still bringing in lightness.
1: Right. And I think also, you know, you're talking about the, the young girls. I think, you know, girls today want to feel a sense of empowerment. You know, this is, this is our mitzvah. This is something that's very powerful. And for me, I mean, I, I have one daughter and a house full of boys, Baruch Hashem, that it was very, very special for my daughter to light the candlestick that I was gifted by my grandmother and to feel like, you know, we're part of that link in the chain of, you know, starting with Chava and then, you know, it speaks about Sarah lighting her candles in the famous Medrash about the miracles in Sarah's tent reoccurring with, with uh, Rivka. And that, that's not the subject of today, but it is very, very powerful to think about, you know, those 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 pockets of light and the, the light through our history that all is, you know, is a powerful blaze of light that um, we're surrounding our world with and we're, we're praying and hoping that Mashiach come already because there is there is so much of that amazing light.
0: Right. Okay. So what mind frame should a woman be in when she lights the Shabbos candles? Like, how should she approach this mitzvah? Is she approaching it like tikkun? Is she approaching this as light? How is she
1: approaching it? Right. So, um, you know, well, should you come in exhausted? You know, Woo-hoo, Shabbos, in theory, it all sounds great. Right. Like don't come to my house, you know, before a left bench or at least I'll tell you about some amazing friends that I have that I aspire to be like, you know, the friend that has everything prepared Thursday night and goes Friday afternoon to the park. And the other friend that's finishing the whole Safer Tehillim with all her children. And it's good to have such friends because they keep you inspired and motivated. I'm trying to get to Luch on time. And, and I'm hoping that, you know, these, these different thoughts that we learn about will fuel our inspiration and think about. So here's a thought that the Zohar says. A woman should light her candles, um, and this is also discussed in Teres Benachem's First Lady Yitzchak, deliba verusa with joy in her heart and desire. So that to me was very interesting because sometimes we kind of like, we, we, we slide into Shabbos thinking, oh, just need to get to Lech Benchen, and then I survived, right? And then I can relax and take a deep breath. But if we can try, and again, this is an effort and I'm talking to myself, to to kind of like pause, be mindful, there's so much buzz about mindfulness today. Um, I I was actually attending a session that I co-taught with someone on mindfulness from a Jewish perspective. And she was telling me to savor my coffee, which I, I have a different appreciation with that. And I, on the other hand, was also sharing how we can savor and appreciate the mindfulness involved in doing mitzvahs that we do. So this is really the idea that we should go in to the mitzvah of Hadlaka's nearest candle lighting and try to feel the joy in our heart. And again, light is also associated with joy. Think about like in the books of dark and dreary days, like a foreshadow for something not good and a bright day and sunlight represents the positive energy. So Zohar is saying to to, to, um, access that joy and the pleasure that we should try to take pleasure and enjoy the moment. Again, not always easy to do, but, um, but it's a powerful thing to think about. This is also something I believe I remember hearing Shimona Tsukernik share a description of the Mahon Khana dorm, uh, which she was in, and how she was friendly with, with somebody, you know, maybe the, the housekeeper who, you know, kept it in good shape. And there were four floors in Mahon Khana. The top two floors, I believe, were, are the, the sleeping rooms, and then there's the main floor, and then in the basement were the showers. So the, the housekeeper once asked her, she's like, what is it about Arab Shabbos that people are yelling and running up and down the stairs, up and down the stairs the whole time to go with it? And she explained to her like that is not part of the Shabbos preparations, that it has to be so chaotic. But truthfully, our Chachamim tell us that anytime there's more potential for Kedusha, then the forces of negativity try to hijack that and prevent us from accessing that Kedusha. So if we think about that, and we try to see like, what are things that we as women, you know, can be organized and put into place and think about the organizational aspects of other parts of our lives so that we could try maybe even a little bit to feel that joy and desire when we light um, the Shabbos candles. Um, a Kabbalah actually explains that there's an, another, I guess, um, kind of meditation or something to think about, um, speaks about how there's three components to the flame. And, you know, you could try this out as a visual, but you have... The bottom part of the flame um, is described as the, the Nahira the black fire, or the dark fire, and the reason why it's so dark is because it is closest to the wick so because of its um, proximity to the wick that's what makes it dark because of its proximity to the physical. Then there's the Nahair Khibra, which is the more pale part of the, the flame, which, you know, as you move upwards and you're looking at the fire, there's the paler colors, the, the yellow, the golden colors, and then it becomes even more translucent. And then the third level is known as the, the nahira Stima'a, which is um, considered the hidden light um, that we can't really even see. So. Revik explains on this that if you look at the candles and it really is such a beautiful opportunity to be to meditate on, how he says that these three parts of the flame um, correspond to different levels of divine energy. so the the darkest part of the flame, the Nahira Uchma, um, represents the sphere of Malchus that aspect of Hashem's divine energy. The pale part of the flame represents the six midos, Um uh, and then the hidden flame, the part that you can't even see, represents Kesser. So this is getting really mystical, but we can we can understand, appreciate like a nugget of it, and that's the level Kesser and Bina, which is the level of intellect and even above the intellect. The Kesser is like the crown that sits above the head. That's the high, uh, the high, even higher level of divine energy. So now remember, I was saying that you know Reb Levick, wrote, imagine, you know, in the margins, on the Zyries writing some of these ideas down and then the Rebbe takes this and adds another layer and explains even more. So this now, what I'm gonna explain is, is the Rebbe's layer on this idea um, where the Rebbe explains that, that we have the flame, the components of the flame. We have the divine energy that it represents. And then we have, what does that mean within us? What are the aspects that we have in ourselves that parallel that, which actually makes sense because we're created in the image of Hashem and um, we have the 10 soul powers that parallel the Esser, um, the Esser which parallel Hashem's um, spirits. So here's here's the idea. So the black fire, which is closest to the wick, represents the body and represents the realm of action. Right? when we Say like don't just tell me something like in, in the we mentioned last week you know the world of childhood education you know we don't just tell we show um we allow them to do it themselves um people will say don't don't tell me you love me show me you love me you know load the dishwasher buy me the i mean show me through your actions so that you you would say is the, the the darkest part of the flame as we move upwards the 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 paler part of the flame represents um the midos Um, And that represents the concept of emotional inspiration. It's really the idea of getting in touch with our emotions. Sometimes we kind of, we do, we do the walk, right? We do the actions and sometimes it's by rope and that's a level, it's great, whether it's in the realm of Taras Mishpacha, we did the mitzvah, even if we didn't feel it or in the realm of lighting Shabbos candles. But if we want to push ourselves to the next level And we need to incorporate the emotions because that is a very important aspect and dimension of who we are as people. And um, when we can develop the emotions and the feelings for a mitzvah, that brings a whole different passion and enthusiasm for it. So imagine, you know, um, you know, as college teachers, we know that, uh, you know, imagine a, a groom brings his wife flowers and says, my teacher told me I have to do this. You're like, oh gosh, like how unromantic can you be? Really, what we're what we're trying to do is develop emotional congruence. I mean, that's what the Tanya speaks about, where we can bring our feelings to the place where they are aligned with the actions that we're doing. So that's the, the, the pale fire. And then the hidden flame, which we can't really see, represents bina, our, our understanding, and also rutzain, which is which is desire, which, it, which is above understanding. It's part of our superconscious. You can't even explain it. And this is the, the level of where we're connecting to Hashem in a super rational way, where my desire aligns with what Hashem wants and where I'm connected to the truth. So maybe when we look at the candles, maybe maybe one week I'm, I'm feeling like, you know what? I'm really just doing it. And that's all Hashem I, I'm, I'm capable of right now. And, um, and I can take pride that I did the action, even if that's where it ended. And at other times I can try to access the emotions that come, come with it, the chedva and the ruse liba, and at other times we can really feel like, wow, I'm really doing something that's, you know, I feel it and it's, it's in alignment with what Hashem wants. And um, the Zohar explains that when a woman lights her candles with joy and in her heart and desire, that's connecting to the joy is the emotion, the pale part of the flame, and the desire is connected to the hidden flame. And she's doing the action of lighting the candle. So she's incorporating all three aspects in both what she does and feels and symbolized by the colors and symbolize the levels of divine energy. Then, this is really amazing, she merits three things, which correspond to the three basic human needs of Bane, Chaye, and Zayne. She merits that she will have children who will be like the candles that illuminate the world with their Torah and mitzvahs. And that's where we have this notion of women davening for their children and the beautiful songs that you know people sing um, about their children being like the candle. Um, she brings long life to her husband. And with this, the rebel also explains, um, you know, if you you cannot give what you don't have. Like if you are the vehicle where blessings are coming to your spouse, then you then you have that bracha too. So so it's a it's a it's a merit for for a long life. And she's the first one to experience, hopefully, that blessing. And the last one is she spreads peace in the land, which is connected to mizayne, right? The, the concept of um, financial financial security, financial well-being, um, because you know research shows that one of the biggest issues in uh, biggest marital tensions is finances. So this is something we right? right. think about as we venture our that we can um, bring peace in the land, Shalom um, Bayez Parnassah, that's also a, a bracha that we can access and tap into, hopefully when we, we try to really um, put ourselves into the mode of what this mitzvah is all about that's beautiful so there we go we have a source
0: for so to speak all these brachas that we asked for I guess I kind of skipped ahead by asking it to you mm-hmm. back then but um that's that's really beautiful and as we focus as women you know when we're lighting the candles that we have access to these incredible bra um that that's definitely what what every woman wants so uh, well, I'm gonna close well, I'm not closing just yet because I but I want to just give a bracha as we, you know, as we hear this, that every woman should be able to to merit these brachas in her life. And that when we light the candles and we ask for them that Hashem should should hear our tefillahs.
1: Amen. Amen.
0: Lachayim. <laughs> exactly. Uh, we definitely, we definitely need some brachas. We're in Golis. We don't see the brachas as
1: clearly. Yes. So what yes. And, 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 and I'm, you know, it's really important that you're saying that because you know, it's hard, you know, when we, we hear these things, we have to be very careful, like, you know, to, we're, we're dominating at a time where, where we see the good manifest in a revealed and open way, and may it happen now.
0: I mean, I mean, like you said, we have be careful, because we're saying, wait a second, but I'm not seeing the revealed good, but right. that's because, because we are in Godless, there is, there is that darkness hiding the good, that, mm-hmm. okay, so do you have any final message as we do close up, um, kind of?
1: So um so a, a, a fellow shlucha here in Maryland, uh Hani Baron, um, shared an amazing story. It was years ago at the kinnas, and I've heard it from her on other occasions. Um, she said that when she was a little girl, uh four years old, so it would be interesting to see the timeline line of when this was, her family went into a Yahz private audience with the Rebbe. And this was before the Rebbe like publicly launched, you know, this idea and that that, that you know little girls should light Shabbos candles as young as three or even before. And um, the Rebbe turned to her parents and asked her, you know, do the girls light Shabbos candles? And Hani's mother answered that the older one does, but the younger one, which was Hani Baron herself, um, does not yet. And then um, the Rebbe asked, how old is the little one? And her mother answered that the little one is almost five years old. And the Rebbe responded, and I'm just, you know, visualizing how Khani tells the story. She says, at that moment, you know, the Rebbe said that, that but she's already a big girl, the Rebbe said, and I'm very passionate about girls lighting Shabbos candles. And she said that this was like such a pivotal moment for her where where the Rebbe transformed someone who felt small into someone big, which is really amazing because often in life, we feel like that little person, no matter what age we are, right, we experience in, in, in the terms that we use today, we call it the imposter syndrome, like, who do I think I really am? And, you know, I'm not really who I present myself to be. Um, do I really fit the position I'm in? And this is such a powerful and uplifting message, I think, because even little me, even if I think about myself that way, I can make a huge contribution. And there is no such a thing as, as a little person. This is this is a message that our young girls, our little girls are really absorbing in a very, very visceral way when they're lighting their Shabbos candles. So. Um, we all little ones of us, whether we think we see ourselves as little or big, um, we have, we have a big job ahead of us and, um, to light our unique light because every person has their own light to shine in this world. So, um, yeah, so that, that's it. And, and for me personally, I think the more that I learn about the smitzvah, because it's something that we've done, we do for years, right? Since we were three years old, we, we've been lighting Shabbos candles, many of us, that it, it kind of, we take it for granted and it's just something that we do. But when we take the opportunity, like we're doing right now in this podcast, to learn and to fuel our minds, then we can fuel our emotions too and really be in this beautiful alignment of, of uh, what this mitzvah means and um, how we can live in, in line with being a Ner Hashem Nishmas sadam and being that candle.
0: Wow, it's so incredibly beautiful, Chana. So I'm really looking forward. We discussed the Three Minutes of a Jewish Woman. We talked last week about the Chet Eitzhadas. This week, we briefly discussed Nida and Hedlatas Ner. We still have the Ches, the beginning, um, Chala. And so I look forward to discussing that with you next week. Great. Excited. Okay. All right. So, take take care, care, everybody. And uh, keep t- stay tuned for the next podcast as we continue the conversation. We hope you enjoyed today's recording. Please take a moment to leave a rating or a review to help others find the podcast. We welcome you to support our vital work at mikvah.org forward slash donate. For feedback, please email podcast at mikvah.org. Have a wonderful day.